Hello everyone, you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast, Bono Episode Fever, bonus episode for those who are keeping track at home. Hello once again, I'm Kevin Mann, joined as always as I am in these bonus UK pay-per-view reviews. Could be joined by Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello Adam. Hello there, Kevin. Are you looking forward to talking about Capital Carnage? I'm looking forward to talking about it, yes. I'm pissed off that we had to watch it, to be honest with you. Billy, once again, getting away with it, not having to watch the UK pay-per-views. The theory was, is because such a little storyline has developed with these pay-per-views that we would just review them in a bonus capacity. Billy could sit them out, because, you know, it's not pertinent to the story, and you've really uh, torn the short edge of the stick here. I really have. I'm sure Billy will get his comeuppance eventually. If you haven't guessed by now, but it's constantly saying the title, it is time for us to review Capital Carnage 98, or as it's now known, Crapital Carnage. Boom! It is Capital Capital Carnage in the London, London Arena! Undertaker's gonna be wearing this damn shovel upside his head. Can you believe that Austin just broke the end of that shovel right off of the Undertaker's face? Right off of the Undertaker's face! It is Capital Capital Carnage at the London London Arena. They're fully fighting for everything in his being. We got a new hardcore champion! New hardcore champion! Ah-ha! The big boss man is the special guest referee for the fatal four-way matchup. London, London Arena, 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 London Arena, Arena. Uh, it's they're doing all the repeaty stuff. It's in the London Arena. This is, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, is they're doing the repeaty stuff they usually do with Vince McMahon, but it's like with just incidental stuff. Some about, generic dude just saying things. If you if you repeat Vince McMahon and saying, you know, the master plan, or I'm sick and tired, that's fine. The repeating adds to it. You're just giving out basic information about an event. <laughs> well, so straight, it loses its straight, luster. Straight off the bat, this promo hasn't got me excited for it because one Imagine of the Freddie Blassie going tickets on sale. Or <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing here. Well, one of the main key things they keep talking about in the opening promo is a shovel. The fact yes. that Undertaker hit Austin with a shovel, then Austin hit Undertaker with a shovel. Yes. I don't want to hear about a shovel. I want to get excited and hyped up for a pay per view. Shut up about this fucking garden Just, tour. Uh, there'll be no shovels on tonight's pay per view as well. There literally won't, no. Were you spending the whole night expecting a shovel to appear? I already forgot about the shovel straight after this promo. I couldn't give a toss. It's weird. The, the, this is the first actual Skybox office proper pay per view live in the UK mm. for the UK. It's what I think the Mayhem and Manchester thing originally was supposed to be. To, yeah, yeah, set out to be. So they are making an honest-to-goodness effort, and I think the only time they've ever made an effort in these UK pay-per-views to make it seem like the show is a very big deal. And hence you've got, like, stuff... They're showing you clips from Raw, as if what happens tonight is going to have some sort of bearing yeah, on Yeah, they're, the... they're making out that storylines are actually going to have some sort of development going on here. Yeah, and it's, it's not really the case. I mean, we do get a couple of... Uh, you know, we got a couple of, of sweet moments here, though. We get to see Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kane, of course, teaming up to uh, throw Paul Bear down a sewer. What was that? Seriously? Was, uh, Paul Bear is showing everyone that he's actually Santa, and the fact that <laughs> you're thinking there's no way he can skip down. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. They open the manhole, and I'm thinking, no chance in hell will Paul Bear fit in there. Uh, what I like about it as well is that happened on the the, the official, they, they are making out like the tape show on Raw, you know, it happened on Friday. Yeah, yeah. And it's Sunday, and Bear is here in the arena. <laughs> now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but Paul Bear has been written off a few times, but throwing a man head first down 
in the sewer. <laughs> that screams right off, and he's that here all tonight. Do it, yeah. yeah, no, you just shook it off. He's Paul Bear. He's invincible. Uh, we also could see Big Boss Man winning the hardcore belt. Therefore, meaning I suppose that makes the belt is legitimate now. That other people are are winning it. It's actually a title that's up for grabs now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the whole point is they're trying to. Uh, you know, it's weird. They, they they show you clips here of this the effort from the corporation to like make mankind's life a living hell by you know taking everything from him. The last thing they took was the hardcore belt, but it's never really picked up on for the rest. Of it. it has no bearing really. I was going to say I, I didn't realize there was any sort of relevance there about mankind's life being made a living hell. I didn't yeah. actually pick up on that to be honest with you. And also the music as well. It's real oh, like Jesus, dreadful. What is that? Was it the same music they used in Mayhem in Manchester? It's the real kind of like it might be ambient. the nondescript, crappy, just generic stock royalty, mu- royalty e- free music. Echo the Dolphin, like, is what it's <laughs> My favourite bit as well, of course, about this crappy opening package is that it ends on this shot of Big Ben. It's this real uh, Warhammer like, kind of yeah. like, crappy cutouts on a red background. Shoddy, shoddy effects. They've got this thing. Anytime they have a UK pay-per-view, you have to, like, I don't know, have a monument, have the shit knocked out of it on the, <laughs> on the, on the cover. It's like, Capital Carnage, there's Big Ben, it's all broken. You know? is that a, Put is us it, back in our place. Do you, do you take offence to that as an Englishman? Well, no, because it's quite clear the WWF has no idea what they're doing. I'm pretty sure none of them know what Big Ben really is. They just think it's some sort of timekeeping device. <laughs> we start off, and fuck me, straight away, Mayhem in Manchester it ain't. We've got full production values. Yes. We have cameras. Yes. We don't have four people sitting around looking at each other directly in the eye. In the we corners. don't have a CZW yellow tinge over the screen for the entirety of no, it. No, it's it actually looks really, really good. It looks like a real show. It's, it's lit it properly. Good. So kudos to WWF for actually, you know, uh, putting out you know the full uh, the full whack. Yeah. Yeah, it's an improvement straight off the bat. And you can tell uh, straight away they're very, very rabid fans. Like, when they see the pan at the start going across, people like... Yeah, rowdy crowd. Beyond rowdy. Well... We'll, we'll get into this later. I've got a lot oh, to I, say about I, the crowd. I, I didn't, notice I didn't say hot crowd. I said rowdy crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very important uh, distinction here. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's worth talking about at this point. It's just that it's hard to remember, like, back in 98, late 98, that the real core of the fan base was young adult males as opposed to now it's more like you know younger families maybe yeah. and more times than not the the younger audience kind of particularly at house shows anyway but even if you go to say WWE in UK now you'll always have a fair whack of, of kids there but here it seems yeah. to be college students and no it's else. mostly teenagers and yeah. young adults isn't it so Jim Ross tells us we've got fans from the UK France and Germany uh, watching live not Ireland though you don't get a shout out Apparently not, not important enough to be mentioned. We get Skybox office just like you guys. Well, who comes from Ireland, though? No one. There was actually there was one one wrestling pay per view they did, and they're like, "Oh, Johnny is alive around the world," and they f- they literally listed off every country in the fucking world. Oh, <laughs> and then went, and no one else. <laughs> yeah, a, b- a big shout out to our fighting men and women in the fucking Cayman Islands or whatever. But yeah, no no love for Ireland. <laughs> I, I know your game, Jim Ross. So we start off with, uh, I suppose. It's it's an odd choice for an opening contest, but it, the first match of the evening is Gangrel taking on Al Snow. I thought this was a decent way to start off the pay-per-view. Two guys, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. It should be a relatively fast, snappy match. Should be good. Entrances straight off the bat. I'm I'm really pissed off. We've gushed about Gangrel like in his few appearances so far on the podcast. We still haven't gotten the the badass entrance. No, we'll get there eventually with the uh, the Ring of Fire and the Blood Goblet and everything. It really adds to the whole package. It's it's weird because I might have this perfect nostalgic memory of Gangrel without the fire. It's yeah, just like... but also bear in mind this is Capital Carnage. There's no way they're going to do all the big flashy entrances for every guy, are they? I don't think there's any pyro the whole night. Well, there's pyro at the beginning. There's literally pyro at the start and, that, and that's it, I think. Al Snow, once again, showing that he is incredibly over. Yeah. The crowd 
crowd noise. go ape shit for him. Loads of mannequin heads in the crowd. There's one thing, whenever we're saying looking back at this, we kind of go, oh, well, one thing me and you have noticed anyway is that D'Lo Brown and Jeff Jarrett and Val Venus are way better wrestlers than we ever gave yeah, him credit yeah. for. Al Snow, I knew he was popular, but Jesus. Yeah, he's more over than I realised. I didn't realise he was a big yeah. deal. I, I think people may, might actually forget that Al was actually so popular that he was. But anyway, yeah. first thing we notice here, we're in for a long night. Vuvuzelas. Fucking Al. Yeah, Vuvuzelas in the World Cup are actually enough of these guys. Fuck me. Some tinker was selling these in a car park before. Yeah, Vuvuzelas and Air Horns, best of both. The crowd is horny. See, uh, I, did, uh, I did a Jerry Lawler line re- there. You really, really just say that. I Oh, yeah, that wasn't a Jerry Lawler quote. That was me doing That was Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was you doing a joke me. as Jerry Lawler. Yeah. If you don't delete that joke from the podcast, I'm never working with you ever again. <laughs> we start off with some nice uh, grand wrestling from the guys. Yeah. Notice almost straight away the crowd kind of, the rowdiness. Yeah. Simmers down. They just entertain themselves by playing with their horns and beeping and shouting. It's something you notice a lot on pay wrestling at this time, particularly with big crowds. Start off, crowds apeshit. A trillion signs jumping up and down, beating the shit out of the guy next to them. They're so rowdy. And the actual match starts and everyone's kind of like... I think it's sort of the mentality of like, okay, everyone hit the show start and everyone sit down and watch it, and then they sort of forget that you're meant to cheer and you're not you you're not just there to watch. It's not a theatre show. They get, or anything. they get wrapped up in the theatricality of it all. I think they Clearly. actually forget. And I think it's yeah, at this time, maybe people obviously were probably more drawn to the uh, pomp and circumstance than the actual wrestling. So you always probably, end up yeah. having rowdy, disinterested crowds. It's it's yeah. quite strange. But uh, Snow botches this leapfrog early on. What's we call it? He goes for a leapfrog. And Gangrel's head goes like right oh, into God, his face. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, it looks and absolutely... takes his dick off. Yeah, absolutely dreadful. Gangrel is acting more of a heel now. Uh, Edge has joined the brood. Yeah. Uh, so they've never explained why he joined the brood. <laughs> he just, hey, they got blonde hair and glasses. You can't ask some questions. <laughs> Again, we had another botch in this match. It was a botch from um, Al. It goes from Moonsault and Gangrel rolls out of the way, but he still hits him. Yeah. And I noticed we're like three minutes into this match. We've had two massive botches already. Yeah, I, I mean... Botches aside, what they do do in the match is generally pretty decent. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I just couldn't get into the match. I don't know if it's like the, the lack of pacing or the lack of chemistry or the crowd being dead. There's just, I couldn't properly get into this. The whole and thing is a little bit off. And it might be that the guys weren't really feuding or anything like that. But uh, Yeah, they had no reason to fight. There's no story or actual yeah. psychology going into this. Christian comes out. Sorry, Kristen comes out. Distracts the referee and Al Snow bops Gangrel with head and he like no sells it and gets up almost straight away. <laughs> but Edge then interferes, hits a missile dropkick on Al Snow. Gangrel wins. That's there it. You go. There you go. That is it. Not really the hot, you know, hot opening match. Yeah, rude get booed out of the arena. Yeah, um, it's weird because then later on they make out that Edge is a face. It's kind of yeah, <laughs> they're wildly inconsistent. All over the place. Mankind is backstage in the boiler room. Guess what? Nothing's boiling here. As a matter of fact. It's freezing! In all my years, this has got to be the coolest damn boiler room I've ever been in! Which means when it comes time for the fatal four-way, mankind will be more than ready to stick one of his frostbitten feet through somebody's front teeth! Now there are three things you should not expect during this matchup. Disqualifications don't count! Countouts don't count! And there are no such things as friendships because I've tried that friendship route before. Isn't that right, Stone Cold? He stunned me! Isn't that right, Kane? He hit me with a sledgehammer. No, The Undertaker and I have not and never will be friends for the simple fact that Anne Boleyn probably felt more welcome at King Henry VIII's dinner table. 
Now, for all you tourists and historians, there'll be an extra sight to see in the jolly old city of London. You can visit the London Tower, where people were hanged and beheaded. You can visit the Tower Bridge, where those heads were hung so joyfully. And now you can say that you visit the London Arena, where mankind conquered all. Have a nice day! It's a gimmick I really love. Hanging out in the boiler room. The boiler room, yeah. yeah. I can't think of any other guys, maybe like the APA with the bar, but guys having like, you know, their own special den. Well, I like that because you hear all the backstage politics about, you know, guys having their own locker rooms or whatever. It's like, only I can get changed in here. Yeah. Got, it fits mankind that he'd pick the boiler, the boiler room as his place to hang out. Yeah, I think it's awesome. The maker runs down all of his shit with his experience with Undertaker, Kane and Austin and all the stuff they've done to them. And he declares that he doesn't expect to make any friends tonight in the Fatal 4-Way, despite the fact he makes earnest efforts to make friends with all four men throughout that yeah. contest later on. But we'll get to that. Uh, he also drops some heavy-duty Tower of London references that went way over my Saturday afternoon head. I don't even recall. He was uh, he was he was he was adamant about Tower of London and beheading and all this. Locking someone in the Tower of London. It's a very generic thing to say, to be honest with you. If you're in England, you're gonna mention the Tower of London, you're gonna mention Buckingham Palace. I love it's just there's something about the UK and I'm not sure what it is, but it's like you can't just go in and cut a promo like you would in the US and just kind of list off a few places and people are like, hey yeah, you know. Yeah. The people didn't care that he mentioned the Tower of London. The one I always love is uh Raven did some indie show in the UK and he like whispered to the guy in the ear because they were like Doncaster and he's like oh and Raven uh, wants me to inform all the fans tonight he's delighted that Doncaster Rovers lost the football today <laughs> and he's expecting everyone to be you son of a bitch that's our team and everyone's like oh, who gives a shit <laughs> yeah no one uh, so yeah it doesn't translate directly over Speaking of not translating directly over, sweet mother of God, who booked this? Legion of Doom versus the Headbangers. Heel on heel. I can't tell you how much I hated this, honestly. it's It, it shocks me. I've spoke before, um, you know, we mentioned that Legion of Doom in the main podcast, uh, how over they were in the 80s and how they were like, for them to come out in England, in a country where they you know old school wrestling fans... If you have anything close to nostalgia, you'll always get a big pop yeah. in, in London. And uh, the Legion of Doom's music, the What a Rush hits, and absolute silence. No one cares. Like apathy. They don't even boo them. It's, it's shocking. What really shocks weird. me as well is um, when the Legion of Doom are coming out, they show a recap to the recent Raw. You know, the one we talked about. Oh, where yes, of course. Hawk gets pushed from the Titantron. Yeah. And you visibly see Draws push him really hard off mm -hmm. the top of the Titantron. And you know, just they're chatting about it, like, oh, and then Hawk fell off the Titan tries. You can see him. Yeah. You can see his hand basically punch him in the chest. Why is no one taking him to task for this? But I, because I think they they, they consider the storyline unjustified. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, like, to think that I, you know they tried to present it like it was the most like poignant moment in wrestling history, and then they're just like cutting back to it like it was a run in that happened on Sunday yeah. night or something. Draws is now officially the second member of the LOT. He's even got Hawk's spikes and he's actually just taped over that bit that says Hawk and written on it with a Sharpie. That's cool. Draws, which I think is really cool. Leapfrogs at the start by Darren Drozdov. So cool. He is athletic. Draws is really, really athletic. Yeah. And I think I I'm beginning to realise now Draws is definitely a guy who I had fond memories of as a kid, but it was 99% nostalgia I think well because he was just he's a, he's athletic dude and he can he's he was always he never really got seasoned or anything like that but he's like he's in the shit fucking gimmick that's like, what I was going to say know? I think he's obviously got the potential to have done something really good 
but it's the fact that he's in a match here where the three other guys can't keep up with him in the slightest. You know, they're all really out of shape and just, they mm. can't move. They're nowhere near as um, athletic and uh, haven't got as much agility as him. He's an animal as well out of place in Seriously, that ring as well. Yeah. He's so he's much enormous. older than the rest of them. We get We Want Hawk chants from the crowd now, yep. showing that they do not give an absolute fuck about what they're seeing in the ring. Uh, during this match, actually, now uh, we find out this is like absolutely shocking. I had no idea about this. Jim Ross had an attack of uh, Bell's palsy. Mm during this match mm-hmm. and I knew I was at the end of 98 it happened I knew it like it happened uh, you know he discussed before it happened like the day his mother died and then he, the next day he got the second bout of Bell's palsy and Billy had said to us oh you know this is the pay-per-view where Jim Ross has a second attack of Bell's palsy I just assumed that he meant oh it happened that night or yeah. on the tour I didn't realise it happened on, on air. air Yeah, and we saw Jim Ross do his spoken word we, we went thing. to London yeah we saw him in Leicester Square and he talked about this didn't he yeah he, basically Jim Ross for the rest of the night like literally is holding up the side of his face while he's on commentary and he muscles on like he refused to go off like Vince said don't oh, take the day off come back and he well, said no regardless of the Bell's palsy Vince had already said to him go home you know your, your mother's just died you go home you take care of that we'll sort something out here and even then he refused to go home he said I'm gonna, I am promised I'd do the show I'm going to do it and then he had Bell's palsy on air and he still carried on and did it what and, a professional uh, I was like because I was watching this and it, it is kind of noticeable in this match because it obviously happens at some point you can tell mm. a change in his voice and he, he starts speaking a lot less that being said the rest of the night on commentary you really don't actually notice business I, as usual I was like really worried that oh it was going to be something that was going to be like you know awkward to discuss and then yeah. we'd get in the way but he actually did it and that's just you know more, you can't tell you, you really can't uh, more power to Jim Ross as if you need any more reason to think he's like the best ever well there you no, go no honestly what a professional yeah, seriously unbelievable crowd dies a death in this match <laughs> yeah. just absolutely peters out I mean the, the weird thing is the headbangers are acting all like hyped up and hyper they're meant to be healed but so the crowd technically starts siding with them a little bit but it's like then they're poking people in the eyes they don't have the wherewithal yeah. to go hey maybe we should face it up a and little this, bit this crowd's this. already not great you don't want to be messing around and jerking them back and forth like that no Draws tags himself in pushes Animal and then gets pinned nice embarrassing finish there <laughs> What is that? <laughs> There's four guys in the ring. I'm guessing. One of them has got a viable, like, proper... He actually could be, like, you know... He has potential to be a player or a fucking, you know, a good hand down the line. And he's the guy you make look like a stupid idiot in front of everyone? I'm guessing what they were going with here is that, you know, Draws is cocky and he's too headstrong. And he thought he was ready to be the new uh, member of the Legion of Doom, but he's not quite ready yet. And... It, it's basically them saying, here, Draws, you know, you can push as many men off a of Titantron as you want, but until you work on your fundamentals... <laughs> Takes a lot more than pushing a man out of the tide trying to get ahead in this business. Good pal. lord, what a stinker. Draws an animal fight, and I think this is the only instance of storylines being advanced on UK pay-per-view ever, so like savour it. It's the mildest brawl, honestly. Oh, they were done so after this, boring. though. They were, they were officially split up. The draws left yeah. animal after this. As if anyone really cared at this nah. stage. Good, I mean, good lord, it went on nine months, this whole thing. The whole nine week. months? Yeah. Jesus, thank God it's over. We get a recap of Raw, and once again, Paul Bearer being thrown down a uh, open manhole. <laughs> I'll never get tired of that. I know. I've seen it again. Like it's amazing. He goes in like a like a snooker ball into a corner yeah, pocket. Just, <laughs> just gone. Did they like? How did they? I really know how. They I did. reckon they buttered up the sides of the manhole. <laughs> they covered it in grease or something, and then. Well, no. I assume they actually went around and measured the circumference of all the manholes to make sure he could actually <laughs> and then measure the circumference of Paul. Yeah, Bearer. yeah. That'd be a fun job to do. He thought he was getting a new suit. <laughs> <laughs> 
but anyway, it, he goes head first down the manhole. Yeah, head He's, first. Like, how big a pillow can you possibly fit down there? I was annoyed he went down head and first. And it's, sti- it's still a sewer as well. But it's a clean drop. He got, he did, he did, they don't have to force him. They don't, yeah, I, I thought they'd be like, bo- stamping on him to get him down there or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's Honestly, a wrestling secrets revealed need to uh, get I, on I this. think they missed a trick putting him down head first. I would have loved to have seen Paul Bearer's just little head poking out of the hole <laughs> as he got pushed down. <laughs> Jim Ross getting in this awful, disgusting thing. He says, Paul Bearer was buried alive in raw sewage. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. And here he is a few days later. He cleans up well, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's a disgusting sentence. We get uh, Austin and Kenny like, Shots of them kind of like nudging each other on the monitor. Yeah, kind of best buddies. Hey, look what we did. Yeah, <laughs> Kane now all of a sudden is just like a, a total dude, basically. Michael Cole backstage interviews Undertaker and Paul Bearer. That's literally all I wrote about that. That's the most boring non sequitur. Does, doesn't make any difference to anything what they say here. It's just going through the motions. It's something which is really it's 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 an art form that has died a death. The backstage promo. They rarely do it anymore, do they? All the promos always take place in the ring nine times yeah. out of ten. An actual interview just there going, I'm here with, you know, back in the 80s, Hulkamania era, it was the only place you saw. Yeah, proper like, promos. Jake Roberts never cut a promo in front of a crowd ever, yeah. I think, as far as I've seen. I think they, they should bring those back. Yeah, I, I do miss them. Although yeah. this is not a good example of one. No, this is an example of probably why they got rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Val Venus versus Goldust. Ooh. We get a sexy promo to tell us the sordid details of this Vince Russo penned affair. I want to tell everybody here tonight. I want to I tell you all. Well, I'm so us. excited. We're pregnant. What? We're what? having a baby. What? And we are so happy, aren't we, honey? We? We're pregnant? What is this we stuff? Let me make one thing very clear right here, right now. We are not pregnant. You are pregnant. Val's icy rejection of Terry was later backed up when Val announced he had had a vasectomy. Jilted by her forbidden lover, Terry then sought comfort and support from the one person most hurt by her indiscretions. Wait a minute. Here comes Terry Reynolds. No, no, there's another Marlena out there. Marlena! Oh, she'd love to make up now, I'm sure. And I guess she's trying to move back in now and reestablish herself with Goldust. Hey, the time has come for you. Right now, you look into these eyes. You understand me? The time has come. For you to forget that you ever heard the name of Gold Dust. Whoa. That sounds pretty final to me. We were quite happy with how things had wrapped up with the. They um, put a nice bow on it. I thought it was done. Yeah. It was. I was happy with the way it was. Are you ready for a swerve? Mm. Terry's pregnant. Mm. This is showing you how forward-thinking they were at the time. Terry is pregnant, but in like a really heelish manner, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, she would be pregnant. Like, oh, she? son of a bitch, I don't believe it. Like, you know. <laughs> she said, she tries to get back with, even she's left Val and Goldust, but she tries to get back with Val saying, we're pregnant. Val is like, you know, get to Stefan because porn stars can't father children. Val even goes on to have a vasect. I can't believe I'm reading this out. Val... <laughs> <laughs> Remember that lad who was chanting "come" a few weeks back? <laughs> He's only went and had a vasectomy. We won't be doing that no more. This water cooler talk here. So Val had a, but you know, <laughs> so Val had a vasectomy. What's going on? You may ask. Val had a vasectomy. I don't know to prove his commitment to not fathering the child. <sighs> I was going to say, isn't it a little bit late to be having a vasectomy? Does he realise what a vasectomy actually is? JR is calling like Val a fan favourite despite the fact that he really has done a heelish thing here. Terry tries to get back with Goldust and Goldust is like, you know, I'm not falling for that. 
get out of here, you pregnant monster. You know, of course, the pregnant woman is, is probably the, the least well-represented uh, group of people in WWF history. Big time, yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Um, undoubtedly. And on the subject of the pregnancy as well, Jerry um, goes on to say that he once talked a girl into marrying him by telling her she was pregnant. Yeah. And then after that... I was waiting for a punchline from that. No, no, that's it. He, he told her she was pregnant, talked her into marrying him. That's his joke. And then after that... Him that's and, not a joke. That's more of a sentence, though, really. Him and JR it? just discussed the word Jezebel for a little bit after that. Yeah, I liked a bit of Jezebel talk. That was... Uh, he calls Terry Jezebel lots in this. Like, awful lots. Because Terry has been, you know, kicked out by both Val and Goldust... And Jacqueline, who we'll be seeing later, who's been kicked out by Mark Merrow, they form Pretty Mean Sisters, which oh, is a... Jesus. A, PMS. Yeah. Brilliant. Guess hands, guess, <laughs> guess what bad motherfucker didn't know what that meant when he was 10? <laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> Pretty decent match, though, from these two. Val hitting some nice moves. Fisherman suplex with a bridge by Val. Yeah. Unbelievable uh, worker as Val. It's, it's very similar to the... Previous encounters they've had, really. To yeah, be there was nothing new going on here, really. It was a, a bit of a rehash, to be honest with you. But I think most of the fans in the crowd seemed to actually be enjoying what was happening. So uh, we get a Shattered Dreams attempt by Goldust. Val Venus uses the referee, pulls him in front of him. Now, if I was Val, I would have taken the kick to the dick and taken the DQ if he's a, such a... But heel. he loves his dick. And he's just had a vasectomy as well, so probably a little bit sore on there. Yeah, we have a vasectomy. And the next day you wrestle a 10-minute match. You know? <laughs> Never mind. Val rolls up Goldust after the distraction and wins one, two, three. But he gets the Shattered Dreams anyway after the match to send the crowd home happy. The crowd go nuts for the Shattered Dreams. Oh my they? god, in, are In you... fact, to the point where um, Goldust puts Val in the corner, spreads his legs open like you would normally, then the crowd are like going, yeah, yeah, and, like, everyone's cheering, you can hear like the, the horns going, Goldust gets in the corner, gets his big run up, goes in, and the second the kick connects, the camera actually shakes. Like, yeah, it is a, it's a fake quake. Like yeah. The place literally went ancient. I like to think it was the fans beside the hard camera like, fuck oh my yeah, god. you know? But even throughout the night, like if anyone as much as points at their dick, these crowd, these guys go. Yeah, they're very immature. They crowd. go absolutely banana. We get clips now. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is absolutely outstanding, and I, I hope to God, I'm going to try and find it or find a report of it at least, full footage or full recap of what happened. It's got to be out there. Vince McMahon at Oxford University, <laughs> at the Literary and Debating Society, giving a giving a speech. Thursday evening, Mr. McMahon, owner of the WWF, spoke to the Oxford Union about America's greatest and most loved sports entertainment institution. So it is with the greatest pleasure that I welcome the evil chairman and owner of the Oxford Federation, Mr. Vince McMahon. Thank you. I would expect a reception such as that for a prime minister, <laughs> or some particular titan of technology. But surely for Vince McMahon, you can do better. <laughs> they show a little clip of him at the start where he basically just like, I'm Vince McMahon, damn <laughs> Come on, give it up. Absolutely insane. And then after that, you hear like, you know, um, I can't remember who it is, it's narrating it, it's Michael Cole or something. And then Mr. McMahon proceeded to talk to the Oxford students 
and it shows like a little 10 second clip of, of him speaking over nothing like silent just yeah. literally man mouthing and just you can't hear any of it what's the point in showing us a clip of this lecture if we're not going to hear any of it he's just there and leaning again so who are you in Oxford yeah do you watch Raw <laughs> idle chatter oh actually I should mention as well in relation to the Oxford University thing the lady who introduces Vince from Oxford she goes ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the stage the evil chairman and the camera pans around to Vince and he just sat there smiling. It's like, you know, the, the old school wrestling mentality. The heel always gets to believe he's right. Yeah. The, the heel can't think he's evil. You know, that's he, that's whatever. So, are you ready for possibly the longest segment in the history of the podcast? Here it comes. Let's get through it. The corporate folk come out. All 9,000 of them. Pat Patterson cuts a promo. Mr. for this evening. The lineup has been changed tonight simply just to please all of you. What? Changed lineup? As you know, The Rock, the World Wrestling Federation champion. Corporate champ? Patterson loves The Rock. The Rock tonight will meet his toughest opponent yet. No, he was supposed to wrestle Hunter Hearst Hemsley tonight. It's not going to be Hunter Hearst Hemsley because Hunter Hearst Hemsley is going to have his hands full tonight. Hunter Hearst Hemsley is going to go on one on one with Jeff Jarrett. And The Rock, The Rock will go on a one on one against a man who just a few weeks ago almost became the World Wrestling Federation Champion. The Rock will go one-on-one -on -one with X-Pac. Announcing The Rock taking on X-Pac tonight instead of the advertised Triple H. The, the way he announces it, he, he comes out and he goes, Mr. McMahon has asked me to tell you some thing that is very special. <laughs> Patterson also announces that Triple H will take on Jeff Jarrett instead. Yeah. I know the whole time during this promo, by the way, Vince McMahon is drinking tea. Yeah, it's delightful. Just a in little, the corner of his little cup and saucer. Little, little tea cup. And of course, Pat Patterson, when he's announcing the new stipulation that Triple H should be in a different match, he announces him as Hunter Hearst Hemsley. Hemsley! And we're like, oh, he just slipped up there. Slipped the tongue there? Four times! Hunter Hearst Hemsley. Now, bear in mind, the last time Triple H was in England, he got booked as Triple Triple H. Yeah, that's true. Now he's Hunter Hearst Hemsley. He can't catch a break over here. Out of the nine H's, none of them were Hemsley. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Hemsley. Then we get Briscoe. Here we go. Talking about Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon here has loaded the night with great surprises. Surprisements for the betterment of you watching here in the great London arena. Surprises for all you watching at home on Sky Box Office. Mr. McMahon has some surprisements in store tonight. Surprisements. But yeah, Briscoe goes on to talk about these surprisements. Surprisements. Like, 
Patterson and Briscoe, they don't need to cut promos. They just stand there looking silly. You know, give them the mic. What are you oh, doing? Oh, man, but it's so entertaining. Though, oh, at the start, yeah, well, man, this thing goes on and on. It's a good 15 minutes, this is. Shane McMahon starts talking. Now, Shane McMahon, he's, he's, he's been on the old Wikipedia. He's done his research, yeah. He knows all the lingo. He knows all the... I was down having pints. That's, pints? That's what you and I be having, you know, pints. <laughs> uh, he was down in the pub having pints, and he heard the talk that Vinnie Jones was some sort of hard man and then he insinuated that Vinnie Jones was George Michael's boyfriend hard man oh seriously hard man first of all we can forgive I think the late 90s for their adamant use of the phrase hard man without realising what a silly how silly it is okay because you know but this deplorable big 15 minute promo you know oh do you get it hard like an erection he's gay yeah it's uh, immature I, I don't like people coming over to this country and using people's uh, <laughs> using people's nomenclature against them. And trying to be a little bit more pop culture referential with George Michael getting thrown into the mix as well. And we also got a lock stock and you, you, he said the referee tonight will be locked, stocked and have two smoking barrels. It's I, it, The movie was coming out, I think. Yeah. Um, but so. finally the microphone gets handed to McMahon and he starts off what he's saying just by going, You English! <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling he's we not a fan. We kicked your ass in World War Two, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> he proper for a man who is organised, uh, you know, in kayfabe, right? He's the, he's the chairman. He's organised this whole trip, the big pay per view, and he's clearly upset to be here. He's upset at this business yeah. venture. Matter of fact, history will prove that the British are the most barbaric, vile. Swarmy sloths to ever walk the face of the earth. That's what I wanted to hear a history lesson. This is great. He learned all this at Oxford yesterday. However, I can understand how you would want to hang on to your ancient history when you used to be somebody. <laughs> I can understand how you want to hang on to your little customs of tea time. But I hate to be the one to break the news to you. But the British Empire crumbled long ago. Oh wait, with the exception, with the exception of course, of that treasure, the Falkland Islands, which you fought so hard to keep. <laughs> the Falkland Islands! You see, there's no doubt in my mind that each and every one of you here at this arena and every one of you at home watching on home box office wishes you were not British. Because deep down in your little black hearts, every single one of you wishes you were American. Yes, they do. Makes no sense. He's done it by mistake. He's there running down the English. Oh, he drags it out. He makes a joke about the Falklands as well. Oh, yeah. He has a proper go at the Empire. And all this while I'm sitting there thinking, this doesn't stand. Where in the name of God is the hero of the UK? Where is Bracchus? <laughs> the European sensation out to defend the virtues of the European people. <laughs> Vince McMahon has a proper go at the Empire. He says, you wish that you were American. Uh, I wish this promo would end. Hey, yeah. uh, it is very long, ten minutes long. That's just from Vince. Yeah, and he longer ra- than the last all, all the individual matches, all their bell times. Vince talks. That's for a very longer. good point. Yeah, he but, has a proper go there. Yeah, and he wraps the whole thing up by saying that in the future England will become a cesspool of decay, decadence, and. Oh, debauchery. first of all, let me start, let me stop you there. 
Decay and decadence. Decay and decadence at the same time, yeah. I don't know about you. Is that, like, is that like a Back to the Future 2 job where there's a lot of casinos but there's very poor public works? Like. That's all like, oh, when it says decay and decadence, I'm just imagining like someone eating a lot of chocolate but in like a really shitty room. Like a really dirty room. <laughs> really, there's loads of people in like, you know, like on, in a fancy boardroom but all wearing drab clothing. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he concludes it by saying, um, cesspool of decay, decadence and debauchery and it will be ruled by a prime minister of Pakistani extraction. And immediately alarm bells started ringing for me because I mm. thought, okay... 90s England, he's making a Pakistani reference here. Something, you know, you've got to tread very lightly here, Vince. And then the next match comes up, and it's Edge versus Tiger Ali Singh. And immediately, I, I, well, what, what happened was, just addressing the listeners directly here, what happened was, I paused the pay-per-view with Kevin, and I turned to him and I said, let's just discuss this now. You don't reckon they're going to do something edgy here involving Pakistani-English relations, do you? And Kevin said, no, no, I don't even think that they would go that far. I didn't think they'd have, like, the wherewithal. Oh, the knowledge. Because, yeah, I mean, it's not as if, you know, it's it's something you'd have to know the country to, to know that there is, you know, a, a Pakistani population or whatever. And I didn't think they'd put two and two together. And the second we press play again on the pay-per-view, you just hear Tiger Ali Singh go, The tyranny of the British Empire! And, oh, my God, they actually did it. Yeah. As, and what's even worse is that the crowd buy into it completely. Oh, of course they do. Of course they do. But it's just, I suppose it's hindsight, one of these things now where, you know, it's years later. It's, At the time, I guess, people thought it was okay. No, but, they didn't. It's, it's still, I mean, in fairness, if you got to ask yourself, if they're going, if they're pushing the button, you know, they're pushing the envelope, you know, on like sexual stuff and, you know, on violence stuff and on, you know, alcohol and like every, every other thing. Why wouldn't they do? I mean, racism is just like, it's part of the package. I guess. But they're then, going to be edgy on all fronts. They're not going to be edgy and then surprisingly conservative about. I know, um, but it's just that Tiger Ali Singh goes on to not land a single move in this match. I'll be, I'll be honest, Tiger Ali Singh, he, he's fucking rubbish. All right. You know, I, I actually didn't think we'd come across him on the podcast because I didn't think originally we'd do the UK pay-per-views. He is absolutely fucking rubbish. He's a big hunk of a lump of an idiot <laughs> and he's absolutely fucking rubbish. He can't, he can't tell a wristwatch from a wrist lock, if you know what I'm saying. He's announced as being from Asia. Brilliant. How broad is that? Brilliant. Seriously, that's a lot of ground. I, I, I don't think anyone wanted anything more specific. This uh, this racist crowd we have here tonight. Probably probably, give a shit where he's, he's not from. Asian. He's Indian, you idiots. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway, he also has the Iron Sheik's sweet ass music though. Which the one thing I can say is a positive. I do love that music. Yeah, it's amazing music. It's Any great music. To hear it. Tiger Ali singing it. The promo is weird. It's it's trying to rile up the locals, I suppose. But it's no more different than the usual promos he was cutting on Raw. He would come out with his manservant Babu and. Uh, Run down America. Awkward. Brilliant awkward character. Fuck. I don't, yeah, I just, it, it sits really badly, you know. I mean, to give a guy a really edgy motherfucking gimmick like that, he's got to be good. Yeah. You can't just send I out guess. any old Joe Jobber and yeah. give him, you know, go out there and incite a race war. You can't be doing that, like. Yeah. The fans cheer when he says, uh, you know, the Empire slaughtered uh, thousands of Indians or whatever, and it's just straight away, I'm like, stop talking. Start wrestling. Just yeah. stop it. And as soon as you start wrestling, I'm hoping he's going to pick up that microphone and start talking again. <laughs> because Jesus Christ, this lad is greener than a pepper tree. He is fucking... <laughs> he is so bad. He's in there with Edge. Right? Edge is good. Mm-hmm. And Edge was, Edge was good long before he was recognized for being good. He was good from the get-go. I think we've, we've picked up oh, on yeah, that we so established far. That. He's very, very capable. He can't do anything with this fucker. In a three-minute yeah. three match, if you can't make the guy who comes out and cuts the big racist promo, if you can't like get a bit of heat and get something going there, they make the, in three minutes, he cuts a race-hate promo, and then the fans don't care about him two seconds later. How yeah. does that happen? 
you had that special amount of lack of talent right there. There's a black hole of talent right there. Tiger is really awful. I mean, uh, he sells like a tree that's been chopped down. He gets a drop kick and he falls down after edge. And Tiger gets no offense in the match at all. And he wins with a roll-up with his feet on the ropes. Fuck off. I'll be honest, I, I obviously didn't notice his um, appalling selling or lack of ability as much as you did because I was just literally... He's just like, too- has people in wrist locks and he lets go. <laughs> okay, you see, I didn't even notice that. You know, that. He's just, he's, he doesn't know where he is all the time. He's, re- I mean, it, you know, it, you always talk about you know, guys getting exposed. You know, if you're put in a situation where you're exposed, people always talk about Roman Reigns in The Shield. He has to be in a singles match because yeah. he doesn't want to get exposed. But Tiger Ali Singh is like in there with a really amazing worker has been given this promo as a reason to get lots of heat and he still fucks up yep. he's still exposed in two minutes he shows his hand thank god it's capital carnage then where no one's going to really remember it except everyone in the UK like you know. Yeah. but anyway and Tiger gets beaten up after the match and he gets knocked over the smallest guardrail ever oh little, the guardrail is adorable little, a little, little dinky guardrail thing. Cole is in the ring and he brings out uh, your hero um, yep our uh, British saint the hardest man on the planet. <laughs> Vinnie Jones comes out. He was dressed up as a vampire slash Russian gangster. He looks like he's going to join the corporate ministry at some point, doesn't he's he? Got, he's got like a black leather trench coat. Black turtleneck with a chain around it. chain on it. That's, uh, he he is, looks like a right prick. He looks hard. Oh, he's, he's a very hard man. Very hard very man. Very big hard man. And first off, short, simple. What do you think of WWF owner Mr. McMahon and his son Shane? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and look for him after. When I get out of this ring, I'm gonna knock him out. <laughs> Vinny, you are known as the hardest of the hard men in football. Are you prepared to mix it up if provoked tonight by any WWF superstar? Us British mix it with anybody! Vinny has a way with words. An appalling way with words. Sorry, also, the thing is, when he comes out, you know, McMahon spent a good amount of time earlier insulting him and, you know... Yeah, making out like, oh... Making out like, oh, yeah, Vinnie Jones, he's another... He's gay, you know... Stoking the volcano, yeah. Second Jones comes out. (laughs) Everyone hates him anyway. So I assume that he's always on some football team that people in the crowd didn't like. He started out as a football player and then became an actor and, like, you know, just sort of left football behind. He was always associated with football, but, you know, he actually left his football playing days behind him. But I honestly think one of the biggest things here, and this is just speaking from my point of view, chances are if you're a wrestling fan, you might not be a football fan because half the wrestling fans I knew when I was yeah. a kid, they're kids that didn't like sports. That's Re- true. Wrestling was their sport, if you know Nowadays, what I mean. you're more likely to find a fo- you know, football oh, fan. Oh, yeah, you get more crossovers yeah. nowadays. But, but back, back then, then it was definitely... more segregated, I That's think. That's true. That's true. So I just think these people, they didn't give a shit about Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones... <laughs> It's strange. It's right off the bat, he's kind of like, I don't like none of these Americans coming over here. And I was like, yeah, him coming over here for the show, which we're si- <laughs> which we paid to see. Yeah, it's like, clearly you do mind them coming over. That's why you all come. You know. And then he goes, us British will mix it with anybody. Assumedly referring to the rich mix of cultures and creeds England has known for since the 50s. And Whilst 60s. strongly promoting the nice football hooligan mentality that England has. It's great because in the last 20 minutes of the entire thing, we've managed to have some hate towards Pakistani people. Yeah. And now we've managed to promote the soccer hooliganism as well. So He says us British will mix in with anybody. Then Cole looks really worried. Literally walks over, whispers right <laughs> in his amazing. ear. And then he just turns and goes, It's gonna be emotional! It's gonna be emotional! 
Did they really have to prompt him to it's say like, that? Who count? It's like Russo is probably backstage going, God damn it, he didn't say it's going to be make emotional. Sh- make sure he hits the, the mark. on the headset. You make sure he's... <laughs> One last thing I noticed about that. Vinnie Jones gets out of the ring. Runs away. Oh, yeah. He, he just, runs backstage. It's a, it's a long walk. Yeah, I'm going to get the hell out of here. He took so many pauses, he'd probably have to run back, otherwise he'd be running over time-wise. <laughs> like, all right, are you ready for a man who's making a surprise return to the podcast? Yeah, there was a bit of false advertising on the last episode. We said he wasn't coming back. And well, we, uh, I would say, and then the main episode series of the podcast, oh, he the is, he's done line. and dusted. Yeah. He is done. He was done. He was gone. Again, Billy doesn't have to sit through this, no. whereas we do. This uh, was advertised as contractual obligations for Mark Merrow. <laughs> what a fun way to start a match. Ooh, contractual obligations. So yeah, Mark Merrow is um, only resting in this match because he has to. And geez, you'd pretty much figure that out if they hadn't told you from the way this thing is booked. <laughs> so yeah. it's Mark Merrow and Jacqueline, who he is split up from, but still has to fight with because of contractual obligations, taking on Christian and Sable. Now there's a random tag team generator right there. Who the right fuck there. came up with that? Uh, the foremost ambivalent tag team partners ever. It's it's I crazy. Guess. So Merrow lost a loser leaves Raw match. He said that he came out, he, he split from Jacqueline, he said if he couldn't beat that jobber Dwayne Gill... That he would leave forever. Yep. And Dwayne Gill came out, or boy Dwayne Gill came out, and an interference from the debuting Blue Meanie caused Merrow to lose the match and for Dwayne Gill to be victorious. Now, I think we owe the Blue Meanie a big, big thank you for what the he's word, done. The word saviour is bandied around a lot today. and with Messiah. The, <laughs> Messiah. Mr. Meanie, thank you very much for getting rid of Mark Merrow. Please, anyone out there that uses Twitter, go out of your way to thank the Blue Meanie for finishing off Mark Miro. That the Blue Meanie, you know, send him roses. Uh, send him whatever he needs. Send him money. S- anything. Thank you, sir. Can't say enough. So yes, this last obligation at Miro, despite the fact that he was dried out, you know, going, no, I'm gone forever. In the minds of the US fans, Mero was gone forever because they never saw this. Us lucky Brits, on the other hand. Had they just like bought the plane ticket for Mero and thought, fuck it, let's send him over. take him anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, really, I think that is it. Maybe they left him in England. <laughs> Maybe that was all just a ruse to take him overseas and then leave him in. Jacqueline attacks Mero before the match even starts. <laughs> he looks like such a chump. Straight away. kicking the shit out of him. Mark Mero, I mean, if you want to talk about... We've mentioned before how much he's been demasculated and had yeah. his balls chopped off and just been made like a complete jabroni. Boy, we didn't know what we were talking about because this is Mark Merrow being made a fool of. This is the most I've ever enjoyed a Mark Merrow match because <laughs> at the start of it, it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, here he comes. And then I remember like, oh, wait, this is his last match. And then the second like they get in the ring together, Jackie starts beating him up and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be yeah. good. This is going to be like him You know shamed. when you get worked out, you get taken out by your female tag partner at the start that you're in for a long night and he just has this look on his face that screams, I'm not supposed to be here today. <laughs> One thing I'm wondering, though, as we're going into this, Adam, is can Sable survive once again the harsh glare of the British spotlight? Oh, Jesus. Notice, though, compared now and back then, the spotlight has shifted considerably away from Sable. She's no longer like a cornerstone. As I said, she's taking a bit of time off here. And she's really, I think, in in the bad books, basically, with them. So she's not being made out to be this star larger than life which they've been doing before she's not but regardless the crowd still goes absolutely ballistic when she comes out Matt starts off Mero hoists his jocks up like he did before and Christian just pulls his pants down <laughs> I love it because he's just flailing his arms around and running around the ring with his pants down his I, I will say that is the one offensive manoeuvre Mark gets in in the match it's him against his own trousers he manages to, <laughs> to lift up his own trousers 
And he, he just these trousers get pulled down, and he's a silly leather man. Honestly, though, it's so in brilliant. In a pair of red panties. This is like the same kind of satisfaction That's I That's in the first two minutes of the match. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's how we start this, off. This is what I'm saying. This is the same level of satisfaction I felt with Shamrock versus Jeff Jarrett, you know? When you actually realise, wait, I'm going to finally get to see what I want to see all this time. He has his pants pulled down. He's running around like a Disney villain that's just been defeated. He looks like such a twat. It's amazing. Mero goes to the top rope to hit Marvelocity. Gets knocked down. Gets hit in the willy. He gets about five shots to the dick in this match, I think. He, he, they're literally killing this boy. I mean, there's nothing else. That, I mean, one thing is, this man's got to read his diary and come out like, <laughs> Dear Diary, today was great. You're a loser, Mero. Like, they're really, like, putting it to him. Good. Sable uh, takes 10 Jacqueline. And she gives she gives Jacqueline these punches. And I tried a while trying to figure them out. Was it a gentle rap and a knock on the door? Kind of, oh, is that person in there? I'm not too sure. I don't want to disturb them if they're asleep. But what it was, her punches were like she was pricking the film on a ready meal. It's uh, <laughs> little, little, little motion I it was there. Like a typewriter, just you know this. <laughs> sable, sable bombs Mero after kicking him in the balls. Kicks him in the balls. Sable bombs. Sable bombs him. He's truly dead. He's finished now. That's He's, gotta I'm, be it. I feel sorry for him. I actually feel sorry for Whoa, him. Whoa, really? Seriously. Come on, like. I, well, I know it's a lot, but I, I honestly just found this amazing. I thought it was hilarious. I know, but I mean, there becomes a point, like, it's like, you could build up to one of those. It's like, they're <laughs> having the booking meeting and they had four possible embarrassing ends to the match, right? Mero gets jocked, or Mero gets TKO'd, or Mero gets hit in the willy or whatever. They thought, fuck it, let's just build the match around all the embarrassing finishes. Good, <laughs> give, give the crowd what they want. People want to see Miro get shamed. I don't think they went far enough. I um, think they should have pissed on him. Sable, Sable, Sable TKO's uh, Jackie wins the match. After the match, Jacqueline gets hoisted up on the shoulders. Of, she gets up on the shoulders of, of, of the referee. For some reason, the referee's down, so she like climes on his back and starts attacking Tim him. Tim White stands up. I think yeah. Legion of Doom were going to come and run or whatever. <laughs> and then... Their top gets ripped off, and this is, I think, the first time I, I can recall. I think it happened once or twice, maybe not intensely on purpose, but this was full-on frontal nudity yeah. right there in the pit for a good, like, ten seconds. Yeah, and Jacqueline, you know, the natural instinct uh, when you get your top ripped off is to, rather than cover up straight away, it's to, it's to your stick your arms out as wide as possible and shove your chest forward. Yeah, yeah uh, and Jim Ross is like, that wasn't supposed to happen. You can tell. He yeah, sure. Look at him, Jim Ross. They are tits. Mr. Mr.co.uk there. <laughs> Kane backstage, just like, you know, doing his thing with his glove. Yeah. You need to get a new glove, Kane, doesn't he? He's quite, always adjusting always it. It's never fitted properly. Like, you know, get one that fits. Steve Blackman versus Ken Shamrock. You want to talk about high hopes going into this match. You know, Blackman and Shamrock were buddy buddies back, you know, when they were feuding with Severed and Owen Hart. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, coming back now, Shamrock's the heel. Blackman's the face coming back. You know, maybe we'll have a nice little feud going here. Awful, awful, awful match. You're going to have to take the reins on this one, because you see, when we were watching the pay-per-view yesterday, uh, I went to make dinner while this match came on, and I said, oh, I'll just watch it later. Came back in the room, Kevin said, don't bother. So, I literally haven't seen any of this, because I right, just took your word for it. Here. Front face lock. Boss man hits Steve Blackman with a baton. Ken pops on the ankle lock. Ken wins. Brilliant, good match. That's that match. So, I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. This match was like a not, nothing happened. It was an absolute non-entity. I was really disappointed. That's so surprising for these two guys. I think Ken Shamrock can't work as a heel. I, yeah, I honestly, yeah, honestly, at Survivor Series he was crap as well. Yeah, I think th- since it's his last good match was uh, was last you know really awesome pay-per-view match was the triple threat in the cage. Was that a breakdown or yeah, yeah a breakdown, breakdown yeah. yeah. So since he's like fully fledged full heel, I think he's in his mind they're thinking that oh he's got this methodical beatdown style 
it's just boring. Doesn't work anymore. It's just no. really boring. Yeah, he needs that kind of intensity. You need to rally behind him. Yeah, he'll turn back face eventually. Yeah. Uh, backstage, The Rock is eating an apple. Uh, aren't you surprised that now you have to defend the WWF Championship against X Pac? Well, wouldn't you be surprised, Michael Cole? The Rock took your eyelids, pulled them over your head, kicked you square in your narrow ass, and watched you run around this floor like an idiot. Would you be surprised then? Shut your mouth. Seriously, surprise yourself. Hold The Rock's apple. Hold The Rock's apple. Listen, The Rock received this corporate email. Excuse me. The Rock received this corporate email last week stating that there was no way in hell that Triple H, that degenerate himself, was going to face The Rock here in front of all of his fans here in the UK. But that's okay. Now, out of all the opponents that you guys could get, you go ahead and you get X-Pac. X-Pac. A couple of weeks ago on Raw's War, The Rock almost put that bony jabroni in a coma when he gave him the corporate elbow. But that's okay. Because after tonight, here in the UK, pay-per-view, of course, The Rock Show, what The Rock plans on doing is taking his big right hand. He plans on laying a smackdown on that bony X-Pac right on his bony little candy ass. And then after it's all said and done, the millions and millions of The Rock's fans are through chanting his name. All the corporate smoke has cleared. X-Pac will make sure he knew his damn role. So X-Pac, what you gonna do when the 24... Oh, that's it. That's the bottom line, because to be the man, woo, you gotta... I am. The best there is, the best... Oh, that's definitely not it. This is it. The most electrifying line in sports entertainment today. If you smell... Ow! What the rock... <laughs> there he is. And you know what? He actually makes it entertaining. Well, The Rock can make anything entertaining. I mean, the sentence, The Rock received a corporate email last week. I love that. <laughs> a corporate email. The, the corporate adjective is used so much right here. Oh, I love it. You know, it's like, the it's now the corporate eyebrow, the corporate champion. The uh, corporate email. Corporate email, the corporate elbow, and all this stuff. I, I really like it. I think Billy was a, maybe a very upset with, with, with The Rock going and turning heel. Oh, like he that. was just heartbroken. He'll, he'll grow on this. But I think if Billy, I mean, the first thing you notice, this is our first kind of heel rock promo on the podcast uh, you know well corporate heel rock promo I should say he's still entertaining as hell he's actually more entertaining now. I, I, I think he's better now because he's no inhibitions he doesn't have to he, worry he was about good it. as a face but the thing is rock, uh, rock as a face before this he hadn't quite got there yet he was getting there but he hadn't yeah. quite figured it all out whereas heel rock he's damn good at doing yeah, this he's absolutely perfect firing on all cylinders it's cool seeing one of these promos with the rock because some stuff that he's saying which would later go on to be like you know, a big part of his promos. Like, he starts talking about when all the dust has settled, the smoke is clear. Oh, yeah. uh, although he'll say, the corporate smoke is clear. <laughs> what is that? Like, corporate smoke. Is that a cigar smoke? Like, what is that? It's smoke that's of, like, you know, a corporately pleasing uh, quantity. Um, New car smell, basically. <laughs> Uh, he does this thing at the end. Do you, you catch this? The where he does all the other people. He runs catch through the catchphrases. Yeah, love that. brilliant. It's a, little cheeky Ric Flair reference in there. Yeah, as it's well. one of the few um, kind of winks at WCW that they did. Yeah, you know, WCW was coming out talking about actual angles that were happening on. It's a shame <laughs> that he topped it off with the weakest "If You Smell" of all time. If yeah. you smell what the Rock is cooking, you know, just he sounds bored. All these UK pay per views. Is everyone jet lagged? Because everyone always seems I a little that could bit. Be what it is? Because no one's doing a great promo tonight. Yeah, his so, was the best though. We got our next match. 
Double J taking on the returning Triple H, his first match back since SummerSlam. We haven't seen Triple Triple H in absolutely ages, have we? Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who has lost six H's since his last trip to the, uh, <laughs> to the UK. Jeff Jarrett comes out with Deborah. No guitar, but they're kind of now implying now that Deborah is not just uh, Jeff's manager, that there's some sort of you know relationship going on there. Yeah, something sexual is happening behind the scenes. Triple H comes out with some woman. I'm like, who is this? It's woman. Who is this strange woman? Why it's China? Would you believe it? You would not recognize her. She looks so different now. She looks fucking hell. She because she was gone most of the time while Triple H was still uh, you know recovering from his knee injury at SummerSlam. But she looks completely like shockingly different. And so it's, different. Yeah. It's weird because like. The, the announcers are kind of like, wow, look at China. She, anytime there's a shot of her, they're just like, whoa, just, wow. What a great outfit she's wearing. Because they're kind of like... You, you can't wanna, acknowledge it, can you? Yeah, they can't go, China's had a lot of plastic surgery. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't do that. Like, pretty good action to start off. Triple H doesn't look like he's missed, uh, missed a beat. No, but, straight back to it. But now I'm thinking, this is like, how many knee injuries did Triple H have over the years? Oh, many. People many, are always many, r- many ripping injuries. on Kevin Nash for tearing his you know, quad or whatever, but yeah. Triple H has had his fair share. And he's always out for a while when he's got him yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. It is weird seeing Jeff Jarrett in with Triple H. And again, I think this is one of these things that Triple H is naturally going to gravitate and feud with The Rock. Because mm. now The Rock is the guy, but I don't think they were ready to do that yet. Yeah, eventually, hence, down the road. Yeah, hence the old switcheroo that they're doing here. Yeah. But obviously the main focus now is, now that DX is kind of back in full force, they're doing DX Corporation because the yeah. nation is, is gone now. Which is which is pretty entertaining. Makes sense. Heck, yeah. Uh, we got a pedigree attempt early on from Triple H, and Triple H reverses the reversal. It's uh, he, he has this cool thing. Triple H does it sometimes where he's like, he's done a reversal, but it's like such an obvious counter he's done. He's kind of, you know, gla- you know winks at the crowd almost. <laughs> kind of like, you know, I'm a little bit smarter. Samoa Joe does as well where he like, if a guy dives off the top rope, he just takes one step to the side. Yeah. And look. I like when a guy You're is, not going to get me with that. He's made out like he's really smart and cerebral. Uh, we had the whole gimmick of the match as well, is that China is constantly stalking Deborah, which is just like a terrifying image. Yeah, really. Jesus. I feel bad for Deborah here. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard for Deborah to, you know, get heat really as a, as a heel here. The problem I have with this match, and this is a problem that I've brought on myself, and it's with every Jeff Jarrett match now, is that whenever I'm watching a Jeff Jarrett match, I'm sat there waiting for the Glargay sleeper hold to come along. Glargay! I'm waiting for him to, you know, slap it on and go, Glargay! I know it's funny, people are always tweeting us going, you know, I always thought that Jeff Jarrett says, Whoa, I got him, when he puts I... in a sleeper hold. You're wrong, he says Glargay. I have something, <laughs> I have a big revelation about this, Kevin. Okay. Well, he finally gets a sleeper hold on, but he doesn't say anything. He just does it silently, and I was like, oh, after all that, he doesn't say anything. Two minutes later into the match, one hour, 28 minutes and 10 seconds into the match, he does the Glargay sleeper hold again. And this time, he goes, Oh, he ain't going nowhere! Oh, he ain't going nowhere! He actually does speak. Oh, wait, wait, now, okay. Now, this is contrary then to what everyone else, because people were saying, whoa, I got him. Yeah, well, this is a variation of the glog. This is the, uh, he ain't going nowhere sleeper hold. Is this the Grunt of the Night? This is not the Grunt of the Night. Okay. The Grunt of the Night is still to come. Okay. But, yeah, just because... <laughs> I was thinking, like, well, these people are crazy. You know, there's no way that Jeff Jarrett's saying something when he does the Glock Gates leave a hold, but I think there might be a little bit more to that theory than the, I thought. I think every match is just a sen- is like a sentence in a book. <laughs> I reckon, yeah. He's, he's just doing bit by bit, he's doing loads of different phrases. If you add them all up, there's probably a message there, like the Da Vinci Code or something. So, uh... It's probably a love letter to another man's wife. <laughs> oh! Anyway. Uh, Deborah comes into the ring and attempts uh, seduction on Triple H. And again, now, uh, this is one of the old timey, uh, you know, they've done it since, you know, way back in the day. You know, the, the kind of the, the eye candy female valet comes in and you know, distracts the, uh, the, yeah, it is outdated. But the problem is that when you do it in the attitude era, Triple H can't be like, oh, no, I'm not falling for that. He has to be like, yeah, and he's like, suck it. Gonna so. get my dick sucked. So yeah, Triple H, he gets distracted 
but he makes her look silly in the process. He demeans her. So he really is the one who wins in the end in this sequence. Clearly, basically. he is the smarter man. China basically runs straight after Deborah then in a terrifying... I mean, China is just scary now. She looks bionic. It's the first point in the match where the crowd actually makes some noise as well as seeing China chase Deborah around. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that, like, I mean, Triple H and Jeff Jarrett, they put on a pretty decent match, but the, yeah. crowd, the crowd don't care. No, they're they just too busy playing with air horns and entertaining themselves. I mean, they do the... There's a guy who's doing an air horn when they're doing, like, when they're doing the count, so it's me, me, you know, yeah. it's just... These uh, guys are clearly fans uh, that like the WWF, but don't like wrestling. I yeah, think. I think it's... They, they like the spectacle and the finishes. They don't like the actual matches. Triple H gets the pedigree... Wins clean after a chair gets taken in. There's all sorts of referee confusion. Yeah. Pretty decent match. Not really... I mean, I, I get what they were trying to do by keeping Triple H away from The Rock. I thought, though, they could have done a lot better here by maybe putting Triple H against one of the corporate... Triple H and Ken Shamrock could have... That would have been decent, yeah. Yeah, because it would have kept that storyline going. In here, all it seems to do is make it out that Triple H is nothing to do and that Jeff Jarrett is not a guy to be taken seriously. Yeah, it doesn't match up. I think it's sad because we've really like, gone behind Jarrett... I think that they may have missed the opportunity because with that change of gimmick, you have to act quickly to make the guy seem legitimate. He yeah. changed his gimmick. He's like, all right, he's serious now. Summertime, you're thinking, oh, he might be a player. But they've kind of shown the last few months that they're not... They've lost the momentum. Much. They're not going to do it now, are they? And I think he could have probably, you know... You know, been been something more important than he actually was. But oh yeah, they, they missed they missed the the boat on him there. Stone Cold Steve Austin cuts a rambling rambling pro, this stuttering all over his words. So dull. This just sounds like a real interview. You know, like at a WrestleMania weekend or something. Where he's like, oh, how do you feel about your match this weekend? It just sounds real. He's just you know giving straight answers to Michael Cole. Uh, Cole has asked him if you know him and Kane hanging together like a hand and glove. <laughs> what? Where what an analogy he's what a wordsmith he is Cole. definitely then we get one of my fa- actually my favourite segment of the night D.O. Brand goes on an adventure <laughs> right here over the heart of all Europe it's alright there's Buckingham Palace I told the Queen we need to straighten that damn circle thing out make a damn straight road but anyway hey I wonder if she's in oh it's good to be back home I haven't been here in a long time you can almost see my office lights still on I left my key I mean if I just screw- Queenie See our windows open up there. Queenie! Time for what? Hey, you got night. What the hell is this? Hey, Mark Henry took me up a car. He told me to come and pick you up. Mark Henry gave you this car? He gave me this car. You brought this out of your driveway. You brought this out of your driveway, man. Where's my Where's my stretch limo? Where's my Guinness? Mark Henry took the limo. He told me to be with this. This is your favorite segment of the night. I was Dilo. He went all around, saw all in London. All the sites. Stood outside the Buckingham Palace, pointed at it. Pre- pretended to live in all the buildings. Yeah. Yo, yeah, that's my Buckingham Palace. That's where me and Mark Henry live. You don't, though, D'Lo, do you? You don't. You live in New Jersey. He's not Chris Jericho, let's be honest. <laughs> he, he, he hasn't got... He hasn't quite got the charisma and the wherewithal to pull the this The best off. thing is like, he's walking around like trying to be all cool, walking down, you know, shaking his head down the streets of London. And he's like, you know, there's a beef eater there. And he goes, he takes a selfie of himself. And he just goes, ha, ha, ha. He, <laughs> he laughs to himself after taking a selfie. The one part of this I did like is when just some shitty little red car pulls up and some British guy just gets up and he's like, Mark Henry sent me over. Like, Mark sent you in this? Yeah, he's like, where's my stretch limo? You're not getting one. Yeah. <laughs> and he also ends the promo by saying that he's had a few words with the upper ups in uh, in the UK and the Big Ben is now called the Big D D'Lo Brown Big D Big D that's the best he could come up with and I have to say the I was, Big D. we were in London recently and the tourist board are Mr. Mark greatly all says Big Ben it's all wrong yeah they, I, I think they lied to him I think you're going to get a lowdown in your future tourism board anyway moving on D'Lo Brown <laughs> again 
Is this meant to build up heat and make you hate D'Lo? It's like, because now he comes out for a tag match. Him and yeah. Mark Henry's like, boo, that guy who took a selfie and the guy who ordered a shit car. Boo. <laughs> Get out of here, you heels. Uh, they're saying Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown taking on the New Age Outlaws. Now, I'm not saying I agree with Billy mm. by any stretch of the imagination, but the second the New Age Outlaws music hit, I did groan. Because we've, we've not seen him in a good match for a very long time. And yeah, I can see I, it here. Yeah, we're certainly not. And I've really just grown tired of them. I mean, I know at the start of the podcast, we defended them like really, really aggressively. But I'm really starting to get bored of the New Age Outlaws. They're not doing anything exciting. I, do, I do really think the New Age Outlaws is definitely a victim of nostalgia. And yeah. it's not just them. It's actually, I mean, people complain about the tag division these days. But month after month, we've been seeing very similar tag title matches over and over again. Yeah. Mark Henry and D'Lo, the Headbangers, New Age Outlaws. It's always the same mixture of and teams. And they're, they're teams, and they've teams that have been together for a long time. Like, D'Lo and Mark have been together for, for ages, so have the Headbangers. But they don't come across as having great chemistry or being no. legit. And they're not even mixing form. it up and putting on different matches. It's always a very similar match to the last mm. one, so... I'm really getting a little bit bored of this now. I do. I mean, I have to say, I just, I think it is. It's the New Age Outlaws. It's the intro. You know, it's awesome. It's over as yeah, hell. It is. It's, it's really cool. And I mean, that's the one thing, actually. They're, they're a couple of the only guys on the entire pay per view that have actually managed to get the crowd fired up. They yeah. do warm up the crowd big time for this. I mean, I think if you were like, yeah, you send these guys out in the middle of your show, you're you're going to get some, you know, reaction, whatever. But anyway, we got clips of Mark Henry's date. We went on with China. Oh, yeah. Uh, the ongoing sexual harassment thing. He said he'd go out with China on a date. You know, he dropped the whole thing. It would, I absolutely love it. It's, it's a really great uh, the whole segment. He like you know <laughs> he says deal him and Dealer are gonna go out in the town. And Dealer's like hey Dealer I got you a tux and then Dealer puts it on. He's like yeah, I got you I got you a hat as well. It's like it's a driver's hat because he wants Dealer to be his chauffeur. <laughs> they really, they actually were funny as hell these yeah, two guys. Yeah. They had some something going. Dealer's got great like comic timing and all that. But it ends up yeah that Mark and China go to like a some bar or whatever and you know they start dancing. And China looks like she's going she's having a bit of a good yeah, time. Yeah, she's enjoying it. And then out of nowhere, uh, a guy from the bar challenges Mark to a fight. But uh, it's it's actually Nova uh, from ECW. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, all the indie wrestlers get beaten up by by Mark. The story in this match, they're talking a lot about the corporate outlaws. Possibly Shawn Michaels has joined the corporation as the commissioner and has been alluding to heavily that they've recruited the New Age outlaws instead of just telling them. Everyone's like, oh. Are the outlaws going to become heel? Very hilarious segment where they came out in like you know dinner jackets and all that, oh, you know, yeah? with little tiny little bottles of water and spit, <laughs> spitting them out with their pinkies out and all that. <laughs> it was all the ruse. They don't join the corporation. It's used to kind of you know like when the Dudleys joined right to censor yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Really, really funny though. Billy Gunn again showing off some pretty impressive fucking feats of strength. He press slams D'Lo Brown. Mm. Now that's fucking incredible, you know? Dilo keeps pouting and leaving after every few moves, shaking his head. It's a real kind of house show. There's a lot of fannying around here where they go yeah. to the outside and Mark and Dilo will have, have a little chat and then go back in again. It's fine, though, because the crowd decide to amuse themselves with horns. It's... Uh, we get our grunt of the night in this match. Huzzah! Right. Billy starts wrenching on Dilo's arm, and to which that, Dilo goes... What?! <laughs> Whoa, that's good squishy. <laughs> oh man, we actually get some double team maneuvers from the New Age Outlaws here. I'm kind of yeah. hope Billy was going to see this because like, they actually do, you know, double drop kick. They're actually working together. We haven't seen it for a while. It's funny because yeah, I mean, New Age Outlaws they really didn't do they did the spike pile driver for a bit, but they were never known for their. It was more individual offense, yeah. wasn't it? In a very strange moment, something happens to Road Dog. I searched as many fan reports and reviews as I could find. No one could give me anything solid but road dog hurts himself in some way shape or form because literally after a, f a quick sequence road dog is just dead yeah and he's lying in the ring billy actually walks in right in front of the referee drags over road dog walks out and tags himself in mm. which is like 
Something's not right there. Something's not right there. And literally, the rest of the match, Billy does it, clears house. He gets worked over. And instead of, like, kind of tagging Road Dog back in, he just, you know, clears house again. He something a, a something happens. Nasty, nasty pile driver on D'Lo Brown. Oh yeah, he was trying to do the pile hideous. driver. The pile driver was actually his finisher before the famouser kind of got really? over. Yeah, he was doing the pile driver lots. It's a scary move on it that looks hard. Horrible, yeah. On that hard match, it's really weird because something obviously happened. Road Dog being out of it or whatever. Something happened to Road Dog because Mark Henry breaks up like four pins in a row, and then B.A. Billy Gunn just hits the uh, hits the pile driver on D'Lo and Mark just doesn't break up this yeah, one. No. And then just afterwards, like, Road Dog is just, like, cradling in the corner. So Yeah, that, even though they won the Outlaws shuffle away and, like, Road Dog's looking at his feet the entire time he walks backstage. Road really Dog weird. didn't even cut an incomprehensible promo after the match. No. Something's clearly some, a mess here. You get some IC belts. Uh, Mr. Me and B.A. Double Poisonous Serpent. Poisonous Serpent. <laughs> That's what he said the last... Uh, <laughs> what was the last pay-per-view? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. Yeah, he said, me and B.A. double poisonous serpent. Deviousness. What happened to Road Dog? Is there anything I rethink of that? But If uh, anyone knows, give us a message. We get a recap of The Rock's corporate turn. Pretty lengthy promo it's package. A long, it's just a big recap of Survivor Series. Like, to re- you can tell when they've put in the time and effort into a promo package. Because there's like gunshots for every time a punch is thrown. Yeah. You tell one that's been thrown together at the last second where it's some like generic video game music set yeah. to just loads of clips. Which one is this, Kevin? I think it's like Time Splitters uh, 2. The, <laughs> the Egypt levels. Real that kind of vague sense of mystery. We do get near the start of this promo, though, one of my favourite lines. I didn't know Vince ever said this, but he just says to The Rock, You're nothing but the people's ass! <laughs> it actually, uh, when they put it all together like that, you know, The Rock's turn and all that. It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that. They really shot themselves in the foot of that package because you know, it starts off with Vince and The Rock hating each other. And then Vince and The Rock joined forces. And there was no sort of like they were playing the long game or whatever. There was and there was even that. Shane coming in, helping The Rock. Yeah. So let's try and get our heads around this one. Because The Rock had a match against Mark Henry when he was face. If yeah, he lost yeah. the match, he'd be out of the WWF forever. The Rock won because Shane came in, and Shane was still at odds with Vince before Survivor Series and counted out The Rock. So Shane helped The Rock... And The Rock got s- into the tournament because of that. Yeah. yeah. Shane helped The Rock screw over Vince, but they were all, all in on it together. Which, which begs the question, how long was The Rock in on it for? How long has he been doing this undercover thing? It's, it's, it's such a headache. Yeah, and this it, package just makes it seem even more absurd. No, that's than it that's. Was. Real, I mean, if you dissect a lot of Russo booking, you just come down to like you know. Makes no sense. It doesn't matter really yeah. in his mind. So yes, WWF title on, on the line. It is the Puck taking on X Rock. See what I did there. <laughs> we got a quick recap of HBK joining the corporation. We'll talk about that at the next episode. There's kind of more poignancy because HBK is not here. It's quite weird to see The Rock comes out actually wearing the belt. Yeah, he normally has uh, it over his uh, shoulder or in his hand or something. But Yeah, we got really super quick, fast action to start. Really good action. And the crowd fucking are... You could hear a pin drop. Thank you. This is they my main point in this match. The, the really quick, snappy opening. Arm drag, arm drag, spin yeah. kicks, really fucking fast paced. This is the fast action that WF is meant to be known for, and they just meh. they're either silent or they're doing the thing again where they're playing with the horns, going no, 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 no. There are so many fucking horns going off. I actually spent the whole night anticipating a diesel run in, like thinking that he was gonna <laughs> slowly come out to the ring. Rock grabs microphone, cuts a promo, say, "Hey, I'm gonna." I'm going to leave, whatever. Kind of, he develops this over the next few months into something a lot more... It seems a little bit hokey here when he grabs the mic and says, oh, The Rock is leaving, you know. They seem gung-ho on making The Rock seem like a bit of a... A bit of a jabroni in this match, to use his own words. They do, but that works to a good effect for X-Pac, because X-Pac looks actually really good in this match. He gets in a lot more offense than I expected. Mm. When you hear X-Pac versus The Rock, I thought, oh, Jesus, X-Pac's going to get his ass handed to him. 
but he gets loads of offense in, and The Rock actually is the one that looks like an idiot. Coming yeah, out of it. so it's it's a good little booster for X Pac, and I don't mm. think it's going to take too much away from The Rock either. You can just tell though. I mean, we look back now and kind of go, "Oh, this heel turn was awesome and all that," but I think maybe it's because it was so fresh then meant to accept the rock as the big you know badass who was then the, the top guy and all that i don't think people are maybe buying into it 100 percent. so they have to put all the effort into make well sure. when the rock the rock says he's leaving or whatever he's walking off and the, the triple h comes out with some woman who looks like what you know an approximation whoever she of, is some black-haired woman wonder woman and triple h come out. <laughs> and then the whole thing where like they stop him and they like you know run him back to the ring and the next spot gets a flurry on him the crowd is meant to go ape shit there. That's yeah. wrestling 101, and they don't make a fucking sound. Well, I say that's less about the rock being heel and more about this crowd being awful. But I mean, I was just maybe saying that maybe the crowd didn't buy the rock as this nasty heel. That's why they're being because they're particularly quiet in this, and this is the WWF title match. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It really pissed me off this crowd. Jim Ross says that Vince McMahon has a black heart. <laughs> Uh, we get the Rock. It's quite strange. He's a, you know he's a heel and whatnot, but seeing the Rock doing like eye pokes, eye rakes, blatant low blows doesn't suit him. He's not Ric Flair like. Yeah. You know, it seems quite strange for him to be doing that. I mean, the Rock. I think the Rock can be a bad guy, but I think he has to. Be, he still has to be perceived as being a, a, I, I a beast. Think like the Rock know? is one of these guys where he can be heel or face, but still keep the same in ring abilities and do the same stuff mm. in the ring. He doesn't have to start doing all the cheap heel things. China comes in, hits a low blow, and the Rock kicks out. If I swear to God, if he lost there, I still don't like China. Like you know, blatantly <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah, like she's that. a crutch. And it's like it's where you got China Triple H. An X-Pac, and The Rock's got no one out there, despite the fact yeah. they're meant to be the outnumbered corporate guys. Always, He's the underdog all of a sudden. He's got three people, like, and they're blatantly interfering. Triple H, like, you know, proper goes after him. We get a ref bump, and Jim Ross says, The Rock just got a big break. It's only a game, so call a real good fight. I'm gonna be snickering you tonight. Big big break, you know. It's the show Jim Davidson used to do. Do we have to keep bringing up Big Break on the podcast? I'm worried that some people out there don't get the Big Break references. Well, I think even the people that do get the Big Break references, you know, it's Big Break, Kevin. Is it the kind of thing you want to be bringing up on a weekly basis on the podcast? Every week, 5pm on a Saturday. <laughs> so anyway, Triple H snookers rock with the WF belt. Fuck off. <laughs> get out. Get out of here. <laughs> he snookers them good. I'm just saying it's only a game, mate. Like, you know, but... um. The Rock kicks out. This sorry, Triple H blatant interference here. He, yeah. You know, The Rock has been low blowed, hit with the belts. You know. If X-Pac won this, I'd have been absolutely disgusted. If X-Pac not winning this makes him look like the Actually, most yeah, useless that's very true. tool in the shed. Looks like. like a jabroni. Uh, he hits the Bronco Buster, but The Rock just goes out, shoves China, Triple H beats him up. DQ. Oh, what a shit end to a decent match. <sighs> How many DQs and false crappy finishes do we get in this? Too many. I don't think we have any clean finishes, do we? I think there's like one or two. Fuck this. The Rock calls the UK fans as he's leaving trailer park trash. Yeah, that's that's England for you. I wish he would have called them like, you know... Caravan park trash. <laughs> yeah, it's something like... Holiday you, home trash. You bunch of butlins loving. <laughs> <you know? laughs> the Rock just looks like a punk in this. Uh, mm. I really had a hard time getting into this this match. Any, any oh, I thought it was form. okay. Yeah. I, so, I don't know. I think The Rock, he just... Why didn't the corporation come out? I'm taking the match. There was more. fucking enough of them out cutting promos this earlier. This is an England pay-per-view. You know, story doesn't matter here. I, this, I'm just taking this match for what it is as a match. Crawl backstage drinking tea with Vince. Like, you know. <laughs> we get a screenshot of the main event, Fatal 4-Way. It's The Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, and Stone Cold Steve Austin 
Guest referee is meant to be the big boss man. If you can see the picture there, they use the boss man. He's got a little hat on. He's brilliant. We'll send that out on Facebook because that is an amazing screen cap. I wish the boss man used the hat more. Oh like, yeah, makes him look all official. Like Jim Ross calls over the action to Sir Anthony Kimmel. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Where'd that come Tony, from? I don't know. It's just trying to be English. Isn't it? Oh fuck off! Really? Now I want you to play a game with me. Can you guess right now? How many people come out before the main event? Sorry, including the, including the four people in the match, how many people are going to come out? Well, we've got the four people. We've got Boss Man. I expect Vinnie Jones to make an appearance. I'm going to say six. Okay. I reckon six, six is the most fine. amount of people you need. Okay. Shane McMahon comes out. It's funny. When he comes out, they, 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 they say Shane. They don't say Shane McMahon. They say Shane. Shane. And Jim Ross is like, oh, you know, he only wants to be called Shane now. Not, you know, not like, like he's Cher or Elvis. But his, his title card actually just comes up as Shane McMahon. <laughs> and underneath it, you know when he would say like WWF champion, blah, blah, blah. It says Shane McMahon. Son of Vince McMahon. <laughs> Gimli, son of Gloin, like, you know. So he announces Pat Patterson is going to be the timekeeper. I love this. As Pat Patterson comes out, we get a very British chant of him coming down the ramp where everyone's going, You fat bastard! You fat bastard! You fat bastard! He does look like a contestant on Bullseye. This he? crowd. Like, I mean, Patterson is officially the timekeeper for this. They're try- this is the problem here. They're trying now, obviously, to do the over-the-edge type thing. Stock the deck, have all the... Uh, who are they screwing here? Who are they screwing? Exactly. They hate Kane, they hate Undertaker, they hate Mankind, they hate Austin. Just let them fight it out. Let them beat the shit out of each other. Why are you getting involved? It's strange, yeah. there's, there's They're being screwy for no reason. Yeah. We get referee as a wanker chant uh, for <laughs> Jerry Briscoe when he comes out. Yeah, so now Briscoe is the referee instead of Bossman. Did you see... Uh, I think they did, like, they did a show in Australia once, and everyone started chanting wanker. And Taz is like, oh, what are they, what are they doing here? Call him a, what's a wanker? Uh, what, what do they call him here? And, you know, Michael Cole is just like, oh, you know, they call him a wanker. And Taz is like, what is that? Like a, like a goof? A goof? <laughs> a goof. <laughs> Jerry Briscoe is going to be our special guest referee. I'm not sure why the boss man isn't anymore. Vince is brought out to be on commentary. Boss man is brought out. Boss man is now... The Enforcer. Right. He also gets you fat bastard chance. <laughs> <laughs> all right, crowd, you've, you've swayed me, all right? Vinny Jones comes out. He's the other Enforcer. He's just a man. He's just there. Like, honestly. Tony Chimmel, Shane McMahon, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, Vince McMahon, Big Boss Man, Vinny Jones. Kane, Kane Austin. Austin. Mankind. Mankind. Taker. Taker. Eleven men. Eleven men. Oh, and Earl Hebner comes out in the end. Twelve. Twelve. It's a fucking Royal Rumble. This, this is some fatal four way. This is shaping up to be. I can't even think of the world. world Troublesome twelve way. <laughs> How many fuckers are back there? It's like a clown car. All these guys come in. And they're, they're building up this big thing where Vinnie Jones and Bossman are in the ring together. You know, the two enforcers on opposite yeah, sides. Yeah, the two hard men. The two bit really hard men. Who's going to be the hardest? Well, it's Vinnie Jones because what he does is he goes over and he pushes the big boss man. Boss man falls out the ring. Knocked out cold. Bossman literally collapses like a sandcastle been hit by a wave. He literally... <laughs> now, I, I know four or five seconds doesn't sound like long, but when you're lying down for four or five seconds after being pushed over, it kind of makes you look like a bit of a chump. It looks like Bossman took a dive, to be honest. He could be in cahoots. I think, for me, this is the selling point of the pay-per-view. It's the reason I watched it anyway. Vinnie Jones has shoved down the Bossman, therefore rendering him helpless and yeah. in- inconsequential. Briscoe brings out the red card. <laughs> Jones. 
exercised his authority and has ejected Vinnie Jones from the ringside area. Oh, we get it because we're in England. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. Now, many of you think that he may be playing into the whole British soccer thing. You know, blah, blah, blah. He's not. What he actually is was he was referencing Nigerian superstar wrestler Power Uti, who would <laughs> take more. going down. <laughs> but seriously, this has like been, what, 20 minutes now? Just do okay. the match. Get to the match, I get, I get it. Taking out a, a red card, that's hysterical, you know. But Vinny Jones leaves! He <laughs> just goes, You bastard! My kryptonite! You've got me there! You know the English Football Association means I have to abide <laughs> by any and all red cards. Like he's a genius or something, he has rules. You know, I just imagine Patterson Briscoe are down some seedy back alley in Soho and they're like, they've got a you know, big wad of cash, like, you got the stuff, and it's like a red card. Like, <laughs> in like a velvet bag. Like, you know, Vinny Jones won't know what I am. <laughs> Holds it up and Billy Jones is like... Yeah. <laughs> so the red card does out Jones. Jones is, is gone for the night, it seems. So Kane and Mankind come out and they start off straight away. Start beating the bejesus. Trying to make up for lost time with all that bullshit beforehand, I think. Taker comes brawl. out, chokes Sam's Mankind straight away. Austin comes out. You know, they just get all the big... The big whoops and wallers. Vince McMahon on commentary is quite a sight to behold. Yeah, he's, he's gone straight back into the old Vince yeah. McMahon mode, hasn't at the, he? At the start, right, Undertaker's coming out and Vince McMahon is like, I hope he takes Austin's soul tonight. <laughs> I hope he takes it right to hell. And then five seconds later, he's like, what a bit of a big back body drop. One, two, no, he got him. Yeah. Seriously, he slipped straight back into it, didn't he? What a professional man. Right into his own, I think he's trying to ask Jim Ross like, he's like, you know what, I could be the, 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 the play-by-play <laughs> Guy again, chokes Sam's off the bat, and you know Austin comes out to this thunderous ovation. We do the thing that Briscoe won't count for Austin, but I think the special guest referee gimmick is lost in the shuffle when it's a fatal four-way. Four-way, yeah. So you can't have him kind of. It's weird that he's trying to single out one guy being yeah. Austin, despite the fact that they have they've been they actually the attention of the corporation has really been on mankind. Yeah, Austin so has been embroiled in a feud with Undertaker at the moment, so it seems it makes no nice. sense to me. And the whole match is just a big brawl where like they are wrestling, but nothing's actually happening. And there's only one really good spot in it, really. Which well, it's not a good spot, but it's interesting. Is where uh, Chikara moment, I believe. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, it is. Taker gets the cable on the outside, and I, I'm not a fan of people getting strangled with cable in wrestling. I think it's like the most stupid. Get your fired. It, it's it's too realistic sometimes, and sometimes yeah, yeah, it just yeah. looks goofy. Vince McMahon buried alive. buried alive with the Undertaker. If you've never seen this, Vince McMahon gets choked with the with the cable whilst covered in blood, and he's literally going blah, 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 and blah. blood. It's horrible. Yeah. It's too graphic. Yeah, it is quite a graphic spot. But in this one, uh, Undertaker starts strangling Mick with a cable. Then Kane comes up behind Undertaker and starts strangling Undertaker with a cable. Then Austin comes up behind Kane and starts strangling him with a cable. And basically what we and have And Jerry is Briscoe then goes behind Austin. <laughs> we basically have a small conga line yeah, forming basically. on the outside of the ring. It's ridiculous. You must think the leverage, if 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 Briscoe turned his wrist to look at his watch, he'd break mankind's neck. Like, you know, <laughs> a lot of torque there. You could say it's it's, it's pretty much just a big brawl. It's, it's fun though, you see these four big guys, you know, just go out and go hell for I imagine leather, being you know? there, that would have been a great sight to watch that match. But It is the definition of a crowd pleaser. I mean, on TV, I thought it was pretty garbage. It's hard to watch. I think it would have been fun to experience. The story of the match is Mankind will like team up with Austin for a little bit. And he's like, you know, big double thumbs up, yeah. hugging Steve. And then you know, Austin just turns on straight away. Or then like he does Mr. Socko. And then he like he tries to you know, do Mr. Socko you know, and like join up with Undertaker and Kane. And they beat him up. It's really funny. These just like, kind of feel so bug. bad for Mick again. Oh, but, yeah. That's the, that's, that's the thing that's always recurring on this podcast. Is that every pay-per-view, I feel really sorry for Mick Foley. <laughs> I, I, I felt sorry for Mick Foley when he got that 
chair shot from The Undertaker. Oh, Jesus. Fuck me. Yeah. Those chair. He took at least you know one a week where he would do that. He he does when he runs in and he just leans his head in and yeah. does the big swing and he just, he spins around. It absolutely looks like it scrambled his brains. It's yeah. it's awful. Austin stuns Kane, clocks Briscoe. Oh, it's he gets a big bump comes in, in the end. Basically, Hebner comes back, knocks out uh, Briscoe. Austin hits a stunner on Kane, wins the match. Jerry gets killed afterwards. My bad. Yeah. Hebner is. Incensed. Um, He's a very, very angry man and a very tough referee, it would seem. It seems. So Vinnie Jones then comes out after Austin wins, clocks the big boss man, who then gets stunned by Austin, and uh, then Hebner just goes goes crazy on boss man and gets his beers and all that. The master plan backfired, according to Jim Ross. This wasn't much of a master this plan. This was not a master plan. This was a load of gobbledygook. Damn it, shit. You can imagine them a load of charts and graphs. Like, you know, call him. All these lines pointing in different you know, directions. Hard means homosexual. <laughs> George Michael question mark. What picture of George Michael? <laughs> you know, fingerprints of George Michael. The master plan. The master plan. Um, little, and then they all celebrate in the ring. Uh, Vinnie Jones, Austin, and Earl Hebner all share a beer. Little did Earl know that 10 years later he'd be selling knockoff Steve Austin shirts to a lad who looks like Vinnie Jones and <laughs> <laughs> and a befittingly odd way to end this pay-per-view what as a whole. What a shit pay-per-view. Pretty, I, I'd say the match itself, uh, the main event was pretty fun, just getting to see everyone. It was a very wild, wild brawl. Overall, I mean, you could say it was their first legitimate attempt to make it a proper pay-per-view and compared a spectacle. To, compared to Mayhem in Manchester, this is a big step in the right direction. It's a, this, this pay-per-view was a spectacle. If you were there and you were like... If you hadn't seen this on TV and your friends were there and they saw it and they told you afterwards, yeah. you know, here, like, oh, Vinnie Jones came out and all this. Yeah. It's the definition of the kind of show WF was putting on at the time, which was something that may not actually be very entertaining to watch and experience, but if you heard about the it, word of mouth value. you would definitely yeah. tune into Raw the next night. And I imagine this this did big business for them. I would expect so. Yeah. And it's a lot better than Mayhem in Manchester, I've got to say that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a proper show. It the, was watchable for one. The production values are a big step up. But I do believe, though, going forward, this is the last British pay-per-view where they actually make an attempt to um, to, to make it seem like it's part of the ongoing continuity. Yeah. Other, I mean, we got Rebellion, Insurrection, No Mercy coming up. All of them are just... They're not even trying to make it seem like it's a pay-per-view anymore, really. It's just another show. And it's strange, because I do believe, I mean, the UK can put on a... A WWF pay-per-view. I mean, it should happen, I think. You know, it's capable of doing a proper pay-per-view. It's capable of happening, yeah. But yeah. Uh, just for some reason, whatever... For whatever reason it is, WWF don't seem to have the faith in the... They've set, in the... They settled into the Raw tapings, I think they're... Yeah, yeah, that's that. all it's going to be from now on. Yeah. It's a shame. But anyway, that's got to do it. We're not going to do Match of the Night or MVP. Doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work on these bonus episodes. But we're going to uh, continue hacking away at these, uh, these UK pay-per-views for better or for worse. The only thing I have to do is to tell you, thank you again very much for listening. If you subscribed on iTunes, leave us a rating or review. It can help us out quite a bit. Ditto if you're on SoundCloud or on Stitcher. Leave a comment, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Follow us on Twitter, at AE Podcast. Go like our stuff on Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. We're on Botchmania.com as well. Uh, we recently sat down and went through all the iTunes reviews we've received so oh, far yeah. for the podcast. Want to say an enormous thank you to everyone that's written a review on there because they have that's been true. so lovely and favourable and you know, people taking the time out of their day to actually sit down and write something nice about the podcast just to help us. Yes, uh, it really does mean a lot. Honestly, it's really cool. We, we we do harp on quite a bit about the old reviews and whatnot. They are very very helpful. They they, 
help us, you know, uh, appear in the new and noteworthy section, among other things. But thank you so much. They've all been incredibly positive. Thank you all for the support so far. It's been, you know, a, a very flattering as hell. Flattering as hell. Thank you so much for all your help so far. But that's going to do it for me, Kevin. And me, Adam. We'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. Crunch presents WWF Survivor Series. Best Lane Crunch. Best Lane Crunch. It's gonna be emotional!